0: Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Hey everybody, welcome back. And uh, Pete Meyer, welcome to Grain Markets and Other Stuff. I believe this is the first time you've ever been on with me
1: it is i have lobbied very hard to be on this show but unfortunately i guess that is, uh kind of gone for naught. so it's, it's fine it's finally nice to
0: uh nice to be invited joe no just that's kidding it. it's nice to see you again joe appreciate I, the opportunity i think uh, a lot of you guys know pete but if you don't uh pete you are the head of grain oil seed and advanced feedstock analyst analytics at s p global and you're in new york is that correct that's correct so we're we're not we're a non-trading firm but
1: what we do is we advise uh both end users and suppliers um, of agricultural products on our side, we're, we're very heavy on the energy side. So a lot of the clients that we talk to are energy um, energy producers and also energy users. They can range from airlines to some of the major refineries in the country. So this week's news was obviously uh, impacted them. And, and I guess that's why we're having this conversation.
0: So you have done over the last, I would imagine, couple of years now at least, extensive research into this uh, everything from sustainable aviation fuel to the expansion in the U S soybean crush, all that stuff. I mean, this is, this is your wheelhouse right here.
1: This is correct. So two years ago before the pandemic started, I would say, Joe, that the number one question we used to get from our clients, which at the time were pension funds and hedge funds was, Hey Pete, what do you think of the price of beans? What do you think of the price of corn for the next 18 months, two years, whatever. Yeah. And then a year ago, all of a sudden, all the oil companies or all the refining companies, I should say that, that were, uh, that were, legacy clients of, of, uh, of S&P Global Platts, um, you know, they started to call and say, hey, Pete, will there be enough feedstock? Is there enough feedstock? You know, what do you think about the feedstock? Where can we get more feedstock? So yes, the, the whole dynamic of our business has changed dramatically over the last 18 months or so. And we've spent an incredible amount of time uh, looking at that. And that's why the advanced feedstocks is now on my title versus, uh, versus just um, grains and oilseeds.
0: Okay. So EPA came out with these proposals yesterday. And I think, I I think I would argue at least that probably the weakness in the bean oil market and in the soybean market had something to do with that yet. I don't know if it's a make all be all either. What's your interpretation of what EPA put out this week and what, and what it means for this expansion in biofuels? What's your general take? We don't think it means much.
1: I mean, if I was a, uh, you know, let's, let's, let's quantify what we're, qualify what we're talking about here. So renewable diesel and sustainable aviation fuel are very different than biodiesel, right? Renewable diesel and sustainable aviation fuel are drop-in fuels. By that we mean we we drop the feedstock into refinery and out comes the fuel. Uh, renewable diesel of course is a is a blend. So if I was a renewable diesel advocate, I would say, yeah, not not great, you know, the advanced, the advanced part of the EPA announcement was up three percent. If I was an ethanol guy, I'd say they have 15 billion gallons, not a great deal. And yeah, sure, we've seen, we've seen vegetable, vegetable oils in general come down, soy oil specifically. But I will say, Joe, that when we look at the balance sheets and we talk to our end users uh, of, of, um, of soy oil and, and vegetable oils in general, where we think the price points are, we believe that below 65 cents represents value to them. Now, we're not saying that we control the market. I'm not that, you know me for a while, I'm not that egotistical. I mean, it changes all the time, right? But if you look at the market, I mean, I'm just looking at a chart now. Between August and October, prompt soybean oil was trading between, let's say, 63 and, and 73 cents or 60 cents and 70 cents. This is a sweet spot for the end user. And they were buyers. Are they buying more in advance? Not really. They're buying it mostly hand, hand to mouth, and then they're just kind of seeing how the how the curve looks. Then we had this big spike. Why was the spike? Well, you know, I mean, you hate to say it, but the the speculators were in there and the speculators added a lot of a lot of length to the bean oil market. And now all of a sudden you get this pseudo uh, not a great announcement, shall we say. And and now here we are again. And today there we are right back. to So so this
0: was I mean, long story short, the news this week, it was enough to spook the speculator out of this thing. But not necessarily a game-changing event, the way you see. It. We
1: don't. We don't see any change in it, Joe. And as a matter of fact, when we look at it quarter by quarter, this last quarter, Q three, was the first time in history where renewable diesel, sustainable aviation fuel production capacity in the U.S. surpassed renewable uh, surpassed biodiesel. So biodiesel capacity has, has has really started to go down, and renewable diesel has gone straight up. Um, so we think. We think it's uh we think it's it still it still remains intact, and we also believe Joe that by 2030, when we start to look at all these crush plants, and we're going to add 500 million bushels of crush capacity, and we and we see all these new um, renewable diesel, sustainable aviation fuel plants coming online, we still believe Joe that by 2030, we just don't have enough feedstock for all these plants, and we don't see that
0: we don't. Do see you that believe? Currently. Do you believe those numbers? 500 million. Oh yeah, you do. Yeah. So, you're very, so you're very much on board with the idea that not only will all these crush plants be built, they'll be operational. This is the, this is the real deal. I think that
1: the, the problem that it presents, and when I talk to the Illinois Soybean Association, the Iowa Soybean Association, the Minnesota, blah, 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 my message is always the same. You love the fact that there's going to be demand for vegetable oil and in particular soy oil, but you, ha- you have to be
0: cognizant of the fact that we have to find markets for the meal. Yeah, that's uh, that's going to be one of the obvious problems or growing pains is is the meal situation. That Um, would be the limiting factor, Joe. And nobody really wants to build a a meal loader in New Orleans. I mean, it's
1: it's a messy business, right? We're going to have to export it,
0: though, right? I mean, that's we have to export it
1: now. You know, Argentina, everything that's going on in Argentina, the political upheaval, there, soybean dollars, yada, yada, yada. I mean, there is some opportunity, in my opinion. Plus, I mean, we've just seen this with China where China really isn't. You know, the, the crush margins really aren't great there. You know, maybe China might be a might be a an access point to to sell meal
0: to, but we have to find areas for, for meal. This is a long question. Let me let me answer let me ask the full question before you answer. Do we need additional soybean acres in 2023? If so, why is the market not trying to buy additional soybean acres in 2023? Uh corn soybean ratio for twenty-three. Favors corn. Every farm budget I've seen, for the most part, to this point for next year, favors corn. We're not going to pick up soybean acres the way it stands right now. Is that a problem? Um,
1: it might. It might be a little bit of a problem. But I also think that you know what we look at as well, Joe, is that on the on the crush side, we're in 2023. We're not quite there yet. We don't quite get to this apex where all the all the investments kick in, both on the on the production side of renewable and SAF. Now, SAF is going to be mostly ethanol. We can talk about that as well, and that's a good thing. But the fact of the matter is, is that we don't see it kicking in until 2025. So maybe 23 is not, you know. So
0: 24 may be the year where we're going to need the expansion. I think 24
1: is kind of it. But I'm with you. I mean, economically, when you look at these ratios, and the ratio has come back a little bit, but I also talked to a lot of farmers in Illinois that are coming off of great, great corn uh, yields this year. And, of course, they're going to go back to the well a second time. So I get it. So,
0: you know so the the expansion may be needed more so in in say 24 but even in 24 we don't have the the capacity to pull 5 or 10 million acres of soybeans that's not going to happen no absolutely
1: not and you know this whole idea that the that the pie may be 180 or 181 i've seen some estimates as high as high as you know 181 or 181 and a half combined yeah. i don't like it joe i mean i I'm going into next year kind of around that 179 area at 89 and a half and 89 and a half. I know, I know, I know that the economics point to more corn, but I, I just don't know. We had a we had a heavier corn season last year, you know, and this corn on corn. You have tar spot. You have all this other stuff going on. I just I, I'm I'll be more focused on on what happens you know, past the new year on the ratio versus what happens now. I've heard that there's a lot of anhydrous that went down. I get that as well, but we see a lot of anhydrous going down all the time. At the end of the day, I mean, I just, I think it's a difficult to get above 190. Can we pull some cotton acres? Certainly with the swoon in, in cotton prices, we see that we can pull some acres there. Are those, are could those go to soybeans? They could go to soybeans, but it's one of those things where it just, I don't, I don't see us pulling that. That many acres out, and and you know to get through twenty three and then the twenty four for the renewable plants, uh, we see we see soy oil exports, which as you know are awful. Um, You know they're going to be
0: nothing, right? I mean that's where we're headed. They're going to be
1: nothing. They're going to be absolutely nothing. This is what we call Joe internally: the domestication of the U.S. soybean crop.
0: So uh, and I think I said this in one of the other videos I did this week but the the way that this is is going to go the the way I see it Brazil's going to keep expanding they're going to be China's supplier we're going to be our own deal and, and we're going to be a residual exporter at the end of the day I mean I, I
1: 100% agree with that if 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 Brazil can produce 150 or 152 I know that the numbers are higher than that I'm more conservative by nature who's to say that they can't export 100 China's right. going to import 100 Is it going to be one for one? No, of course not. But the fact of the matter is that you've taken that demand off the table in theory in your balance sheet because one country can take care of another country's demand.
0: Okay, as uh, my friend Chris Barron would say, our friend Chris Barron, uh, put your farmer hat on. What does this, does this change your attitude? Does this change the way you market grain? Does this change anything for you or do you just kind of do things as you normally would? I think you do things as you normally would. I I don't really... I don't really
1: like to speculate as far as on the hedging side of things. So I mean, if it makes sense for you, and and you and I have, have known Chris for a long, a long period of time, and he does ask me this question all the time. I mean, if you're buying inputs, you got to sell production. You just have to take it one step at a time. Sure, everybody thinks that the price or you know, everybody hopes that the price is going higher. But what I would say is that what you've done here instead with the with the drought issues in the US, with um, There's a lot of pressure on Brazil to produce over 120 in corn and over 150 in beans. Let's be honest about that. If that fails, well, then anything can happen. But mostly what we see out of this demand for whether it be ethanol for sustainable aviation fuel or soybean oil for renewable diesel and and sustainable aviation fuel, what it's done is it's created a a higher bottom to the market, right? So instead instead of saying, let's say we can get corn down to 350 or something like that, I mean, certainly five fifty seems like a reasonable number. And the same thing with soybeans. We can add kind of a few dollars
0: here to where we thought the bottom
1: where, where we thought the bottom typically was.
0: So is there any more pressure than there would be in a normal year? I mean, I know we've got tight supply and demand and everything. Is there more pressure or are we going to be more hypersensitive when it comes to weather in both South America and the US? I mean, the 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 pressure's on here to grow some crops because we're tight already. Oh, there's no question. There's a lot of pressure. You know, I think we have to take Ukraine out of the
1: out of the picture. And Ukraine, as we've seen the last few weeks, I mean, they are a major exporter of sunflower oil. They crush it there. These power outages have killed that. So the vegetable oil market globally will still stay tight. Palm oil still has socioeconomic issues attached to it. So that's going to stay out of the thing. So literally, we still have a tight situation in the oil market, regardless of the vegetable oil market, regardless of what's going on in the renewable space. We have a tight, tight market in corn. um, And we just, you know, we think it takes maybe two or three normal crop years back in Ukraine to kind of make up. Let's not forget, Joe, and you noticed the EU had a terrible summer this summer as well. So, you know, it's just it's it's very, very tight. To answer your, it's a long way to answer your question. Is Yes, we've become hypersensitive to the weather. I mean, everything has said that the La Nina is kind of going to return back to normal uh, by the time spring comes along. But weather guys can't tell me what's going to happen in two days. Never mind what's going to happen in three months. The
0: thing about acreage is that like, okay, maybe we need some more bean acres, but can you afford to lose corn acres? Can you afford, no, I mean, is, you can't, I, not right now.
1: No, I agree. And this whole <laughs> thing with GEVO and LanzaJet, you know, with the electrification of the U.S. Uh, US car fleet, Everybody would or people have said, well, you know, you got a problem here because now you're going to have less ethanol demand. And the fact of the matter is that I think that Jeevo and Lanza Jet, which are the two big sustainable aviation fuel producers in the U.S. have seen that. And that's why they've come out and said, we're going to convert ethanol to sustainable aviation fuel. And as a matter of fact, you you remember that six or nine months ago, ADM said that by 2025, they were going to divert two thirds of their ethanol production, which is 900 million gallons a year to GEVO to produce, um, to produce uh, 500 million gallons of sustainable aviation fuel. So this will balance it out, Joe. We're gonna keep this, you know, originally a couple of years ago, most people were talking about turning just vegetable oils into sustainable aviation fuel, but now this technology seems to be grabbing hold and they can turn ethanol or what we call alcohol to jet.
0: So this uh, the soybean crush expansion deal, we, we've seen um, with aviation fuels and some other stuff, we've seen some states, uh, provide tax incentives and, and different things along those lines. Um, is this thing going to be able to stand on its own or are you going to need incentives or is, is the market going to have to do some work here to make all of this. Function I, will tell right
1: you, I will tell you that the airlines and, and we speak to the biggest ones, United Delta, those people I was just at Delta in Atlanta last week. I mean, they're very pragmatic about it, right? They're looking for a price that's going to match the, uh, the current jet fuel price. We're not there yet. Can we get there? Certainly. Can we get there? Yes, we can. Now, certainly the increase in the um, in the uh, Inflation Reduction Act of a dollar to a dollar fifty to blending credit for uh, sustainable aviation fuel will help. Uh, The California LCFS credit is about 40 cents. But then you have the RIN value. The RIN value is really the one that's 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 going to drive it. So it has to stand on its own. Certainly the airlines, which are going to which are obviously your, your biggest user of some of this stuff is is that. You know, they have a pragmatic view, but they're all chasing the same thing. They want they they want the lowest carbon intensity feedstock, and that's used cooking oil, and that's in very high demand and very low supply at the moment. So they have to go back to the well, and the well is going to be stuff like soybean oil and vegetable oils in general, including some cover crops. And we've done a lot of work on this, camelina, caranata, sesame, uh, pennycress, We see a lot of interest in those in those crops uh, being crushed, especially by the big refiners.
0: I got one more question for you, then I'll let you run Um, this. So this is going to happen. These these soybean crush plants, they're being built. They're going to be built. Uh, What are going to be the biggest hiccups here? There's going to be growing pains. There are going to be hiccups. What do you see as being the biggest roadblocks, obstacles, things that could go wrong? What how does this how does this not work the way that it's planned right now? I think financially we're okay because it's it's the oil companies that are behind
1: it, and as we both know, the oil companies have the deepest pockets, right? The oil companies, right. Marathon, Chevron, the rest of them, they've invested with Bungie and and the, and and Cargill and the rest of them to to enhance these crush plants. I really think, Joe, it comes down to finding markets for
0: the meal. I that's really going that's the obstacle is the meal, right? And you know,
1: I it mean, seems obvious. In- I
0: mean, it seems obvious. You crush a bean, it's more meal than oil, right? Right. But, I mean,
1: you know, you still, crush, you still crush for meal at these prices. You really need the price of oil to be four times the price of meal on a pound-per-pound basis for them to crush for oil. But you're still always going to have that byproduct. And I really haven't heard much as well on what they're going to do with Camelina meal or with uh, Pennycrest meal. And, you know, this deal with Bungie in Cairo, Illinois, and in Destrahan, Louisiana – They're going to crush beans and they're going to crush pennycress for this company called cover And they just want the oil. I don't know what's going to happen to the meal.
0: I really don't. All right. Well, that's, that's the million dollar question, I guess, as we move forward or one of them, uh, Pete, thanks for joining me on short notice today. Um, this is going to, I'm going to post this, I think on Saturday morning. So, uh, you guys will be watching this Saturday morning. We're recording here on Friday. Uh, anything, any last comments, Pete? No, I just wish everybody and you
1: and your, and, and, Let's look forward to 23, but we let's not get too bogged down with what the EPA has to say, because we think that uh, we think the renewable segment is
0: in it to win it. Good deal. Pete, have a good weekend. Uh, we'll do this again. All right. Thank you, Joe. See you.